But the thing I'll encourage you to be is learners. This is a massive time of change, and in times of change, learners inherit the earth. The learned people who are so sure they know what's up, they find themselves perfectly equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists, basically. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Do you know who Alexander the Great's tutor was for about 14 years? Aristotle. Through the miracle of the printed page, I can at least read what Aristotle wrote without an intermediary. But I can't ask Aristotle a question. My hope is that in, in, in our lifetimes, we can make a tool of a new kind, of an interactive kind, more refined year after year after year. And in our lifetimes, it should get very refined. And so my hope is someday we can capture the underlying worldview of Aristotle in a computer. And someday some student will be able to not only read the words Aristotle wrote, but ask Aristotle a question and get an answer. And uh, that's, that's what I hope that we can do. I'm here to talk about AI, as you might have guessed. Um, it was about a year ago uh, that we had one day in November when ChatGPT dropped. And we should always pay attention when the greatest visionaries of our time, like Steve, talk about ideas like we just saw as happening potentially one day. And now we're sitting here looking at that reality. On November 30th, from my mind, it was the beginning of a new wave that will kind of irreparably change software forever. Fergal is the head of machine learning and AI in Intercom, and he posted this tweet, which led to me texting him and being like, yo, uh, should we chat? And he was like, yes. Uh, and we basically, over the series of the next 40 hours, declared a kind of internal code red, and we realized that the entire nature of everything, everything we do in Intercom was up, up for grabs. Uh, it was all debatable. We scrambled and we scrambled and we started building for an AI-first world, because that is without certainty, sorry, with absolute certainty, where we're headed. It took a while for the media to catch on, and uh, eventually they did, declaring ChatGPT the person of the year, as you'd guess. Um, and it's, it's now clear to us all that we're in the middle of like a tectonic shift in our industry. Now, we have been here before. I was, believe it or not, not uh, around when we had the mother of all demos by Douglas Engelbert, who demoed the first computer in the 60s or so. Um, we're all familiar with the time Bill Gates and then Steve Jobs walked into Xerox Park and discovered the, the graphical user interface. Around 15, maybe 18 years ago, some genius in Apple realized you could actually touch glass and make it do something, which led to the creation of the iPhone. And all of these things have one thing in common, which is they were both incredible technological progress and also incredible market impact, which leads to them being a game changer. Not everything is a game changer. Betamax wasn't the Apple Newton. Lord knows we all remember Google Glass, uh, the Segway. Not all of these things have the market impact you need. In a lot of these cases, we used to take the piss out of things like Glass or Segway, 
and without irony, we put on the Facebook or the Oculus Quest and we scoot around the cities, not realizing that there is lineage here, but sometimes things don't work initially, they're too early. Without question, AI is a game changer. And I think we can think about software's evolution as being we went from punch cards to shit computers to better computers to the internet to mobile, and every single one of these things has been like a type of like a, um, meteorite that hits our industry, if you like, right? And when I think about what does that mean for us, I think every time one of these things hits, the entire landscape gets rewritten. So VCs, venture capitalists, like to post these little market landscape things. It's basically a venture capital equivalent of what the kids call a thirst trap. They post this to try and get attention from startups, so that startups will slide into their DMs being like, yo, you left me out of your grid. Here's one such one, and here's a company I've spent the vast majority of my life and my entire career trying to build as one of these little dots. Uh, and we, of course, sit in a larger plane, which is all of tech, right? And you can see whenever someone rewrites the rules of technology, let's say they say we're going mobile first, or we're going web first, or now we're going AI first, it effectively does a lot of damage to a lot of these companies and rewrites the entire rules. The job here for all of us is to survive in AI and then thrive in AI. Now, how do you survive? This quote by Darwin, it's not really by Darwin, it's by somebody called Meganson describing Darwin, says, is really the key idea. It is not the strongest, it is not the biggest, it is not the most intellectually sharp, it is the one who is best able to adapt is the one who survives. And we, have had, we will have to survive. Like We've seen this happen so many times. You're all probably familiar with the evolution of the desk, right? Where the old office desk basically has converged and converged and converged. And where we are today is the entire thing is now just software, right? And it's interesting to look at the glasses and the phone that are left there and think, will the laptop end up inside there? But for AI, I think where we might find ourselves is so many software companies will actually just become absorbed into what I would call like the mega brain of AI. So you will just say, hey Siri, call me a taxi, and it'll just do it. It doesn't give a shit if it's Uber or Freenow or whatever. It's irrelevant. It's all abstracted away. And what that actually looks like is we see all of these companies that, like, again, people have spent decades building, moving into this just master brain. And that's quite likely where a lot of companies will end up. They'll just become a part of the intelligence that is built into your phone or your laptop. Now, this all sounds gloomy. You're probably like, Des, are we totally screwed? Should we just pack up and go home? Uh, no, or at least not yet, right? Like, <laughs> not yet. Um, I think to survive and to thrive, we have to understand what we're dealing with here. And that's what I'll talk about here. There is a shitload of new capability out for building product, an absolute phenomenal amount. What is there? Well, the stuff we saw earliest was text wrangling, like this idea that when we used to be able to bold, italic, and underline, now we can take text and literally adapt it, mold it, shape it. So you can say things like, hey, I would like to take this and I would like to make it more friendly or reframe it or make it more formal. And the AI just does that for you. And you'll see this consistently happen, right? You can write blunt things and you can say, make that good. You can write things in English and you can say, put it into Spanish. You can you know, give a bullet point list and say, make it a paragraph, right? That's just basic conversational text skills. The other thing we're seeing a lot of is this idea of what we call conversational UI. So, it's hard to like, repeatedly ask the same question and augment it through search or whatever. Like Google, for example, is typically a, what we call like a one-shot machine. You can say, find me all the Portuguese footballers who've won player of the year or something like that. But you can't then say, out of all those, show me all the ones who take penalties. You can't, like, there's no way to refer back to your previous query. 
With ChatGPT, it can actually do this perfectly. It can, I, it, I don't know why I paused there. Uh, it, it, it can, like, you can hammer it with a query, and then you can say, okay, take the list you just gave me, and like, now do this to it. And you can just aggregate your idea. So you can say, show me all the, show me all the hotels, show me all the hotels with swimming pools, child-friendly, near an airport, and you can just keep piling this shit on, which is a new way of conversing with computers, as opposed to doing single-shot queries, which is what we've spent most of our time doing. We are now insanely good at images. We didn't think this would happen, right? But like ChatGPT and specifically Dolly is capable of rendering phenomenal images. Now, it's, people look at these demos and they're quite dismissive. They think this is cute as hell, Des, but I'm not in the middle of doing a children's storybook startup. I am doing like a fancy you know, uh, email newsletter tool. I'm like, oh, okay. And you think that none of this tech would have any relevance for you whatsoever? Well, let's see. Can you design me a newsletter template uh, appropriate for a French restaurant? And it turns out it can. Uh, and you can say, pick one, use it as the header image, and then design the rest of the email. And it can. And you get like, literally these beautiful designs. This is all literally nothing to do with me just asking for this to be produced. And you get design after design after design. And what's amazing here is, you have to bear in mind, most people are shit at design. If you're a designer out there, you're like, I can do better than that, that's grand. Most of the crowd can't. So what we've done here is massively changed the amount of people who can do things with this capability. And it's not just cute storybooks. It's anywhere that creativity is needed. The other thing we're really good at now is parsing visuals. So you, like, you've probably seen this demo, but you can take a photo of a bike, and you can say, how do I lower my bike seat? And ChatGPT scans the image and says, here's how you do it. It's never seen that image before. It just works it out, right? We can parse imagery really, really well. We can also do all of this with voice now as well, which is just crazy to me, right? Um, we can, for example, like, I don't know if you remember like, this scene in Mission Impossible, right? Where like, Tom Cruise, as Philip Seymour Hoffman, basically makes him read a certain clip so that they can scan his voice. Like, this is literally Mission Impossible shit. This is real Mission Impossible shit. That is like based on a five-second query, like literally one-sentence sample of me. That's my voice. Now, it's not perfect, but I, haven't, I should give it an error, right? And the other cool thing that's happening here is we can translate this into other languages too, right? So you're all probably familiar with the Star Trek transcoder, where like I speak one language, it, it gets mapped, translated, and you hear it as another language. Like that is like, again, breakthrough tech. This is live today, right? And that's me speaking Portuguese, just to prove the point. Um, I can't speak Portuguese to be clear. Um, the other thing that's insanely valuable here is AI, people talk about it as being, it doesn't really have, it's not real intelligence, it's just really fancy Google. Bullshit. Here's some interesting queries. One day I got a bucket and I half filled it with super glue and apples. I put it on the top of a door and I called my brother into the room. If you Google any sentence here, it did this puzzle, this scenario never existed, right? ChatGPT did not learn this from the internet. If you asked it what happens next, it correctly guesses what happens next. What's it doing there? It's inferring from physics, it's inferring from uh, humor, it's inferring from puzzles, it knows what apples are. And it's like, that, like, this is like alien technology. We have not seen this before. And you can go harder. You can say, my brother saw the funny side, but we tried to do it the following day, and it didn't work. And it says, well, it didn't work for one of two reasons. Either the superglue all dried up, or your brother might have told your other brother so that, so that when we tried the trick the second time, he was wise to it. Like, where is it getting this from? It can only be actual intelligence. And this is the sort of shit, like, again, we're asking ourselves, is this useful for, uh, for tech? It turns out it is. Like, at Intercom, we built a product called Fin, where you can ask questions, like, here's a question I asked of a 
company I use called Rewind. I said, how do I disable this pop-up? It gives me a perfect answer. It got that perfect answer from reading a doc, and not even reading a doc, actually inferring from a very specific paragraph that didn't answer the question, but it worked out what the answer would have been and got it right. And we see this consistently. Here's another example of Finn. Somebody, a customer of a customer of ours, asked five-point question. I need five different things here. Not a bother. Here's your five answers in a row. This is like, again, this is Finn inferring or you know, AI inferring the answer based on everything it's read and qualifying it and understanding how computers work and all that sort of shit. Uh, this is just huge. I'm sure you agree with me. Like this, like these breakthroughs are not trivial. This is not like fun stuff. This is generation-defining stuff. And it will change how we build software. So we ask ourselves, what type of workflows, what type of products could be disrupted here? A lot of them is the short answer, right? If your product involves writing, summarization, fact-finding, question-finding, uh, logical criteria, success criteria, right? I sat down with a friend who runs an AdWords optimization product. And he said, does AI matter? And I said, yeah, to be honest with you, your whole product is probably gone. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, well, like, what's your product about? You log in, review ads, pick the best ads, run the versions of the ad, optimize the ads, blah, blah, blah. I was like, AI can do every single thing of that. Can it review ads? Yeah. Can it calculate LTV CAC? Yeah. Can it generate ads? Yeah. He was like, no, it can't. And I was like, yes, it can. Right? Here it is generating five ads. Here it is generating visuals for the ads. Here it is calculating LTV CAC of the ads. Here it is suggesting further variations. Like, so you ask yourself, what does, what does this product look like anymore? What does the UI look like? You log in AI and improve the situation. Maybe you don't even fucking bother logging in, right? Maybe it's just like trusted to the gods, right? We have been here before. Like you probably, again, you don't remember, we're all too young, but like Kodak launched a camera that like took 14 steps of photography down to it. You press the button and we'll do the rest. With AI, you don't even press the button. Like that's where we're headed. And it's not just like, okay, so that can be fully automated. In a load of cases, people will say, Des, we still need human judgment in here. And I say, that's grand. What all that really means to me is we just collapse it all down to human judgment. So there's one step. So you just log in and you apply your logic as you need to, but all the other work is still done for you, right? And you can even do AI suggestion on, to augment the human judgment, which is the AI thinks it's blah, can you verify and you say yes. This is where we're going, right? This is what Aaron Levy, who's the CEO of Box, was talking about when he said, all the enterprise AI startups that just need to do one thing, basically find the workflows, use AI to augment, and you'll just see huge, huge opportunities abound. If I was to offer you an algorithm for what do you do to apply AI to your own startup, it would be something like this. For every step in the workflow, you first ask yourself, can AI do it completely? If so, it's gone. If AI can massively simplify it, then okay, you should massively simplify it. If you can make it a little bit easier, you know, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of augmentation, oh, we can do a bit of text wrangling for you, sure, why not? And if not, then sure, you don't need to worry about AI. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is there's a spectrum, right? Some products will be wiped. Some will just disappear completely. And some products will just get a nice bit of a productivity boost. But there is a spectrum, and it's worth asking where you sit on that. The only other area I want to talk to you about is just chat UI. So here's Workday, a tool we use to book holidays off and shit like that. It's a human HRIS startup, basically, not even a startup. The interface is dog shit. And, uh, and as a result, I find myself frequently trying to, all I want to do is say, book me the 14th of October off, please. It does not understand that. I do not want to learn this UI. I just want to tell it what I want to do. And I think we're going to get to a world where most complicated startups or software is just powered by you typing what you want to do. 
A friend of mine runs a company called Equals, and he made this interesting comparison of like, um, how do you make the negative cells red in Excel? Well, you do all these steps. It's called conditional formatting. You blah, 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 blah. In practice, what people want to do is just say, make the negative cells red, please. And we're very close to a time when you just say that, and it just happens. And that's just going to be a dramatic simplification. You're seeing this live, like equals.com already has full on, like you just type make the chart bigger or whatever, like uh, Mixpanel has it for like slicing data, Stripe has it for querying uh, invalid sort of uh, queries or fraud. And all of what this is doing is saying, it's closing the gap between people who want to do something and the small set of people who know how to do it. Gone will be the days when you have to go to your friend who's good at Excel. You just need to know what you want to do and say what you want to do and it gets done. Practically, this will be very disruptive for all of our businesses. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to go to our very core. This is a core by AI. Uh, and we have to ask, basically, what is the single thing that we do? With Intercom, we do customer support. This is the very, very, very first complaint ever in 1750 BC. And this is a very recent one fired by Intercom. This is what being bored on public transport looked like back in the day. And this is what it looked like today. This is what takeaway pizza looked like. The very first takeaway pizza was ordered in the 18th century in Italy, in case you're curious. And this is what it will look like in the future. But the core of your product is what you need to obsess over here. And the core of your product never changes. It's got nothing to do with specific bits of tech in time. It's really the answer to the question, what are they really trying to get done? And in some cases, you're trying to help customers make progress or keep them entertained or deliver food or whatever. But you have to obsess over this idea of what is the actual core of my product. Once you understand your core, you ask yourself, what bits have to be human? What bits just have to be human? And that's where you start to build your product around, and you use like, all of the best available tech around it. So questions you should be asking yourself is, like, how can AI be applied to create new features that resolve a workflow with minimal or no effort? How can I let people do things they couldn't do before? How can it be applied to make existing features more powerful? These are the ways in which you'll build a disruptive product, which will help you kind of you know, be one of those people who survives and thrives. One thing you have to ask yourself is, are your customers genuinely ready for this? Because as we see a lot with, like, say, Google Glass or with Segway or whatever, being early and being wrong are the same thing. So you really need to make sure you're meeting your customers in the market at the right time with the right solution and not freaking them out too much, right? Uh, and you, you will find, like, uh, you'll find some people are just like, very, very hesitant to use any AI. And other people are like, why can't it ring my parents for me? You know, like there's a full spectrum of readiness here. Lastly, I'll just talk about the question of opportunity. Is there real opportunity here? It's tempting to say, of course, but it's worth remembering, like, uh, everyone knows Levi's. Do you know Levi's got famous for one thing and one thing only? They sold, they sold jeans to gold miners. That's where Levi's came from, right? Most of the people who made money in the gold rush sold picks, shovels, and clothing. They did not actually make gold. And it's just worth bearing that in mind. In 2018, 2019, it was said by Shamath Palahapitiya that if we give a dollar to a startup, it's just a really lossy way of giving it to Facebook or Microsoft because they're just going to dump it on them anyway. It's possible in 23, 24, giving a dollar to a startup is just a lossy way of giving it to OpenAI. Right? We have to make sure there's real money to be made here. So before you go all in on a product direction, you have to make sure that it just won't be part of the next operating system update, right? the next bold italic underline type feature that they roll out to everyone. And also make sure you have a sustainable, durable advantage, i.e. you're not just doing unpaid R&D for your competitors who are just going to be like, yeah, that's a good idea. We should do that. 
So what does this mean for your strategy? Well, I'll finish on this example. This is what we sort of need to think about. If you're starting, say, mail.ai, it's, it's a MailChimp, but it's AI-powered. The question, the first question you have to ask yourself is, if this is the tech stack of everything like MailChimp can do, how much of that tech do we still need, right? Do we still need to send millions of mails? Yes. Do we still need high sender reputation? Yes. All of that shit still has to be there. And then when you look at MailChimp as a business, how much of that stuff do we need? Do we need a trusted brand? Do we need to have partnerships? Do we need effective go-to-market? And then, so you say, right, we're going to do a MailChimp product, but we have a cute AI-powered email composer. And I ask you, who has more to build, right? Some people have, you know, you know if the only thing MailChimp have to build is your cutie-booty AI composer, and, they, and, like, uh, and you have to build all the shit they have, you don't really have a big advantage there. And no matter how fast you are, MailChimp aren't that fucking slow, you know? Um, so if you're a startup, pick the areas where the tech stack will be rewritten. Don't pick areas where there's a massive incumbent advantage. Pick an area where your advantage isn't some off-the-shelf API call from OpenAI or Anthropic, and pick one where the operating systems won't just include your product by default. If you're an incumbent, the bad news is you're now in an AI features race with your peers, as in everyone's trying to be the best version of like projectmanagement.ai or whatever, but also you're in a battle for survival because all these new startups are coming at you. But the good news is this is a massive time of change, and there's much opportunity for you to actually win new market in this uh, area. The core question here to me is, how does all the new tech make it quicker, faster, easier, or more accessible for more people in more ways to use your product? That is the question. There is this meteorite coming, and it's going to hit the tech landscape, and it's going to affect all of us. Uh, we've been here before. Every single time humanity goes through these things, we come out the far side better. I'm very optimistic, and even every time tech has gone through it, we've come out better. But the thing I'll encourage you to be is learners. This is a massive time of change, and in times of change, learners inherit the earth. The learned people who are so sure they know what's up, they find themselves perfectly equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists, basically. Now, this talk's over, and we're going to get back to our offices and desks, and we're going to go and scramble and get to work. But just bear, it's worth taking a second to realize this is an amazing time in an amazing industry, in albeit a sad time in the world right now. Um, we get to build for this future. We get to invent this future. I think we're going to look back on this time as being one of the biggest and most transformational moments in technology. When the greatest sort of visionaries that we know in our industry talked about things like today as being one day, I put it to you that this is now day one. I hope this has been useful. I've been Des. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.